0: Welcome to the Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today the question for you is do you want to be well? well Weller? As our guest says, none of us can be fully well, but we can all be weller than we are now. I mean, your greatest desire is the ability to do what you want and need to do. And at the end of the day, nothing really matters, of course, if you're not well in mind, body, and soul. I mean, those who desire to serve are not getting our best if we're not well. I mean, would you accept a million dollars in cash today, but get 50% of your wellness away about 30% or 20%? Well, of course not yet. We find ourselves pursuing careers, businesses, family, and all the progress in our lives often at the sake of our overall wellness. I mean, the hard-charging business person or business owner or parent often doesn't take time for personal wellness, their own personal wellness. They're busy making millions of bucks and raising families and all these great things. They'll deal with themselves later is often the mentality. That is, until they find themselves in enough pain or lacking in their performance to an unacceptable degree. Well, then, when we finally do try to address our wellness, getting results from any effort seems to be more complex and elusive than ever. Those who attempt it often just give up at some point. More and more in our culture, we're accepting minimized body, mind, and soul as just a normal thing, and it's tragic, robbing our lives and the world from our full glory, God's full glory in us. Well, friends, there actually is a strategy I can offer you that will help dramatically, a framework. I've been involved with it for over four years now. It's not a black and white cookie cutter specific answer, but a framework. Let me put it this way. No matter what type of house you want to build and live in, you must have a solid Foundation, right? That will support the structure. The makeup of foundations for homes are basically the same no matter what type of home you want to build. But what's the primary foundation for your wellness? Well, our guest today is Dr. Randy James. Randy's a medical doctor, but far from the norm, as his specialty and devotion is functional medicine, which aspires to find root cause issues of pathology and not just band aids. Well, Randy serves as a doctor in the Air Force before starting in family practice here in the States. And from there, he ultimately founded a new type of medical practice that focuses on the whole person and their goals. Randy's goal is to bring that framework of what he does in the practice every day to as many people as he can. That's what we're going to do in this episode. And let me stress again here, our point is to equip you to get the most out of yourself to be running on all cylinders so that you can achieve the things you desire in life. And this is a special show, folks. I've been waiting a while to do this, and I'll start with three disclosures. One, Randy's a doctor for some people you know like Dan Miller and Tom Ziegler himself and some other celebrities I can't mention. Uh, he and I are business partners and best friends. As you'll hear in the show, and in this show, we're officially launching our new show, the True Life Show podcast. And while we don't mention it in the show, you're also going to hear ads for a new business we've launched that is a massively revolutionary alternative to health insurance. Uh, the clinic that you're going to hear is TrueLifeMedicine.com. The show is at TrueLifeShow.com or wherever you get your podcast. True Life Show and the alternative health insurance truelifeprotect.com So Randy, I want to dive in with something I think is important dealing with our health. Obviously, it's a means to an end and not something that we always want to focus on. I mean, even you and I, we've gotten to where we, you know, we kind of like it. We think, but I mean, is it what we, I mean, I still like to you know, have a bowl of ice cream, watch a movie and sleep in late. And, and that's the point. Does anybody get up in the morning saying, Hey, today I want to focus on my health. This is going to be fun because at face value, it's requiring us to do things. A lot of times we would rather not, I mean, it can look like an initiative and in self-denial and, you know, self-inflicted pain, which puts you as a doctor to start there in a place of ultimately fixing people that have broken. And that's the problem where we're at with Western medicine, of course, and what you're trying to change. But I mean, just, just recognizing that that for folks, I mean, when they come here in the clinic, they have hope to get better, but they're, I don't, are they excited about being healthy?
1: Right, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. Health is not the end goal. And that's, that's why in the clinic we talk about not, hey, Kevin, are you put here on this planet to be healthy? and that's the only reason. Mm-hmm. And no you're going to say I have bigger and better things to do and that's what we call true life. So how can we help you be eating, living, thinking, breathing in such a way to be able to do your true life? And of course the guy who can do that we would kind of say oh he's a healthy guy. And so so yeah, in in fact it's uh, I think our culture uses that word health just very wrongly. So one of the things I'll I'll have patients do on the first day is is we'll agree to let's not say the word healthy. Mm -hmm. Now we can spend all day long defining that word, but let's not say healthy. Let's not say normal or well. But let's do talk about life. Why would you deprive yourself of that bowl of ice cream on one particular night in order to do what? It's not that anybody would look at you and say, wow you didn't have a bowl of ice cream. What, what a guy. You get points in heaven you get for that. <laughs> points in heaven. God is so pleased with you right now. And we both grew up in a, in a way and in a form where there was this idea that depriving oneself was somehow good or, or moral or, or something like that. And it's, it's no. But then the reality is that, well, sometimes in order to be becoming the kind of guy you want to be, you do have to choose to give up the ice cream. And that's okay. I want to. Well, you just said deprive, and and coming from an
0: altruistic aspect of, I mean, we are talking to an audience of which we are a part of, of people who want to serve. We all want to be a value to our spouses, to our kids, to our community, to our church, to our employees. To I mean, I, I think I mean that's that's the Ziegler show. If they if they don't want to do that, they're probably not listening to the show. So let's assume that we can say it's the church. It's the church of Ziegler here, right? Okay, and, and just like that, and there's, I that aspect of depriving oneself and just going and pouring out and pouring out and giving and serving. We've seen this where you get the person that's unhealthy and it almost feels like, well, they're just, they're narcissistic. They're over here, you know, just taking care of themselves. I'm taking care of people and they're,
1: that's right. There's almost a justification for I'm so tired and I have a headache and I'm a little bit overweight because I'm pouring out to everybody else. I don't have time to exercise. It's like the
0: busy badge. Uh,
1: The busy badge. Right. And, and you know, how are you doing person? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty busy. Meaning you should feel really good about me because I'm serving everybody and my, I'm taking care of my family. And this has become a, a pathological norm. We are submitting ourselves to the yoke of busyness with this idea that, that God is pleased with us because we're serving everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, as, as we've talked, you and I have talked a lot about the, the idea of tension. There's, there's a time for self-sacrifice, and there is a time for self-care. Mm-hmm. And this is clear all throughout Scripture of, you know, take care of others in the same way that you would take care of yourself and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and we've lost that. Totally, yeah. And, and so, so so I think for you and I, too, where we are in a place of I want to be capable to serve my family and to, to have energy to pour into a business that serves other people, how do you then break away from that and righteously and with wisdom pour into yourself in order to be becoming the kind of guy who can serve? And that, I would say right up front, requires mostly a daily existence where you humbly put yourself before God and before your mission and before your purpose and say, okay, what's the next best right thing to do? And of course that book doesn't sell
0: that book. Okay.
1: So (laughs) I'm still back on,
0: on the serving and, um, self-image. I I think my self-image and I know you enough to say, I'd say yours. And I think a lot of people it's wrapped up in my serving. And so again, to step back from that and say, no, I can't You know, go play with your kid. I can't. I'm not going to spend this time, uh, even with my spouse or whatever it is, to take time for myself. It almost is is inflicting on my own self image. And then I come back to what you just you said something a minute ago that made me think of that consummate thing we talked about so many times. That here's Jesus, right? Three years, save the world, and and yet the disciples are saying, "We got to go, go, go." And he says, "No, we have to come away. Come away with me." Man, that just does not. It's so illogical, as is so much of uh, the Bible that we follow and, and Jesus' example and stuff. It's illogical, but my gosh, it's pretty irrefutable. It's right there.
1: Right, and we live in a culture that screams other, other images and other messages of how do you get the most out of life and grab the gusto and you can sleep when you're dead and who has time for um, retreat. And even the word retreat sounds weak. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to advance. Sounds luxurious conquer. or something too. It oh, sounds, retreat! You mean that retreat? Yeah,
0: I was yeah. going to <laughs> retreat, like get away and Sabbath. Okay,
1: both. That, well, but that yeah, right. And you know, when you're talking about war and, yeah. and retreat is retreat, it's the same thing. Sure, you retreat from the front lines, and and I would recoup, recoup, uh, and, and uh, recuperation. Right to rebuild, to restore. Um, all of these words are, in, are wrapped up in the concept of Sabbath, of ceasing to strive and and just being okay with just being, mm-hmm. recognizing who you are and why you are doing what you do and having a, a grander and a bigger purpose, and it's for that reason that Kevin might not have a bowl of ice cream that night. Right, right. Retreat can't mean, and, and so one of the words that we'll use is how do you do active relaxation it, it it can't always mean a good movie on a friday night and a bowl of ice cream and sleep in you and i both we long for those times and 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 we and we imbibe in them it it's a good thing but active relaxation might be the hard work of getting t- together with friends on a friday night around a campfire and creating relationship mm-hmm. it's a different kind of relaxation and it fuels you
0: Okay, I'm I'm I did not intend this tangent and it's great. If I had been brighter, I would have started I would have intended to start with this, but God brought us to us to us anyways. So, you know, back to that aspect of not self-care thinking that we're serving and that's the most altruistic, righteous thing to do. And yet we're, we're hurting ourselves. And if we are, we're hurting our efforts and you fixing broken people. That's generally when we come to the cradle of saying, I need help. It's when we're broken instead of prevention. And, you know, I was thinking last, last night of you know, Dave Ramsey. Most people know his name. He has come in with a message of, in a sense, prevention and made a dent in debt and bankruptcy, things like that. And we all get that. If I don't do X, Y, Z, if I don't prepare financially, I'm going to go into debt. I'm going to end up bankrupt. And, you know, of course, some might even go further. I'm going to end up homeless, you know, on the streets, prevention in that. But again, in our health and wellness, it's just not a part of the fabric, at least of
1: America, uh, I would say. Right. Goodness. we, Yes, this is a big idea. And I think the difference here is, in your finances, even as you're thinking about it, you have a daily feedback loop. You can see numbers on a page,
0: uh, so, so right. quicker consequences. Quicker yeah, consequences. Yeah, you you totally. see it
1: immediately. The the debits and the credits are, are right there, yeah. and, and and a lot of people might choose to ignore it. They're they're living on credit and that kind of thing, but health wise, we say all the time, you are writing checks on the bank of your youth, huh. right? That you're spending energy or uh, your, your capacity to withstand whatever, uh, uh, um, uh, some kind of hamburger or you're eating Cheerios for breakfast or whatever, these are not the kind of foods that are going to sustain you for the kind of life that we're talking about. They will keep you alive, but they cannot keep you well. And so in that way, young people say, ah, whatever, I can still go run a mile and do a, you know, let's do a pickup triathlon at 5 o'clock at night after we eat, you know, some whatever. Taco Bell. And some Taco Bell. And and, and they thrive on that, and their culture says, yeah, that was me when I was young too. And then they feel older when they're 30. Mm-hmm. And so they don't feel the pain right away enough to say, oh, my gosh, I need to think about prevention like Dave Ramsey would say, Cut the credit card and, you know, debt snowball and all those kind of things. So Don't spend what you don't have. Th- don't spend what you don't have. But when it comes to health and wellness, you do have wellness. You are born with a certain amount of capacity. And a 10-year-old could generally eat a bowl of ice cream every night, and they're not going to gain weight next month. It's going to be the next decade or the fourth decade down the road. So the consequences aren't there. And the other concept of this, when you talk about prevention, I mean, again, what a boring word. Uh-huh. It, it And the bad thing about prevention is you cannot measure prevention except by noting disease. So the person who, hey, I would look at Kevin Miller and say, well, you don't have morbid obesity, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, or whatever, but you don't walk around going, wow, I feel awesome, I don't have cancer today. Mm-hmm. Nor, nor would anybody. And and so there's there's no feedback loop of success if you 're talking about prevention so so in the health and wellness world of America, where the 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 system measures disease, then everybody over here who's looking at wellness they 're off on their own mm-hmm. there's no agreement about about oh we all need to run a six minute mile and that 's a marker of wellness or we all need to Yet Dave Ramsey could come over here and say, oh, we need to have this much money, $1,000 in the bank, yep. right? That's a marker. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: like three months of income, you need it in the That's bank. That's right. Yeah.
1: You need a, a, that, a life raft, a lifeboat, but health-wise, we have no measuring stick, nor will we ever because we're all different. You know, Your life raft of uh, how much smoking you could withstand is going to be different than me or how much not exercise days you could withstand versus me is going to be w- very different. So there's no way we'll ever come to those markers. And then we're stuck with the boring books on prevention of, we all know those websites of, it says the time and it's, you know, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And it's, and, you know, we're talk we're saying those words too, mm-hmm. but with a bigger, grander, more focused purpose on the why behind the what. And now we're back to what is your true life? Why yeah. would you... Go jog or miss a bowl of ice cream or even think about it.
0: Okay, lifestyle was where I was going next, but something you talked about, kind of back on that thing of spending what we don't have. And this is what I want to speak. Again, we're bringing this health and wellness message to the business community because the point is not to go, we're not talking to the, to the gym folks and the people who are already doing it and being another voice in there. It's, it's the business people who are out here who have their goals, have their dreams, have their aspirations and are being hampered or at risk of being hampered by handicapping themselves to some degree. So it, it, that's spinning uh, what you don't have. So I'm going to give a free ad here because they didn't pay for it, doggone it, but, uh, <laughs> or a ring you're wearing one right now so so Randy's wearing this Oura ring it's a ring that goes and measures your what yeah
1: right it measures your sleep cycles and within that it measures your heart rate variability which is right. going to measure you know your your adrenal strain and the balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Now you're getting medical. Yeah. Well,
0: but my point is there you wake up and that thing gives you a score and yeah, this is not specifically an ad for this, but the concept of it gives you a score. And if it comes out today and you had a bad night's sleep, uh, your day was stressful you didn 't sleep well, and it 's going to come out and give you a score of fifty percent and you 're planning on a big day. you know you 're compromised and, and that 's the truth with all of us. We wake up in the morning we don 't know what level of ability are we at, and then we wonder why were we cranky today why couldn 't we get critical thinking, creative thinking out? Why do we have brain fog this term that didn 't exist that long ago that now is 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 everywhere? Why do we feel this way and we can measure it, but the, the bigger point is that that is us. What are we bringing to the day and then to our efforts to serve? And that's the one that gets me that I miss too. Again, it's pour out, pour out. It doesn't matter. You didn't get any sleep. You get up and you put It's This is military, man. You were in the military. You, know, it's, you, you push, and that's great for a day for a battle. But, man, overall, yeah, if you don't.
1: It, it, we could even go this week. There was a military guy in, and there was a business guy in. And now they're both in their 50s. And, and the concept is, yeah, I served, I gave. And and from a military standpoint, that's why the career is 20 years, right? Wow. Because, you know, you go in at 18, you come out at 38, that's your career. And I have never seen about a guy coming out at 20 years well. Like, what, what we do see is we see guys coming out at 20 years, and they're like, man, I am shot. Yeah, totally. And— and like it's, the end of a football career. It's, well, that's right. And, and you know, I, I get it because in the military, the, we need a deployable asset. We have to think this way because we've got the mission is critical, and we can't have a guy out there who's got a sore knee who's going to complain about it. So the whole culture is taught to, you know, don't complain about it. We don't want to go to the doctor, and get you know, there's not prevention in the way that we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. The business guy was 60 and done. And his first complaint to me was, "I feel at my best when I am working and creating a product, and I can't do it anymore." so he had yeah. he had already retired, but he he could see he was going downhill fast, and so then he bought, he actually bought a business, and um, interestingly, he sells vintage soda, which it's one of those things who knew existed out there. That's different. <laughs> and, and, he's, and now he calls himself semi-retired. He's like, I just got to do something. But when I talked about the concept of sleep and rest and rebuilding and recuperation, he actually got a, f- a look of distaste. It's like that's weakness. And I'm like, do you see that you had a great 20-year career and you were awesome and you made a lot of money for your family and you're doing well now, but it hurt you? And then he had a look of quizzical like, what do you mean? And it, it wasn't really resonating with him. And, and he was not That's buying my book of, hey, let's rest effectively. Uh-huh. And then, oh, by the way, you know, just a year or two ago, so in his late 50s, there was the discovery. And, and, and there I had to apologize for my profession, not finding it earlier for him, but sleep apnea. So I'm, I'm like, Mr. Smith, do you realize that for decades you have not rested uh-huh. and you have poured out? Why are you wondering why you're so tired? You know what it reminds me of? So I was just recently with our buddy, Scott Stearman. Uh, folks,
0: amazing. Go, you know what? Go, go check out some awesome sculptures. I'm going to promote everybody today. Uh, <laughs> ScottStearman.com. Uh, but a dear friend of ours, I was with him a couple weeks ago, and he was talking. He was talking with my boys, I think. I don't know what got us on the tangent about football. So he was playing football. He was in, I think it was high school, and this was back when they did not give them water. I mean, you, know, you get a little swish maybe, but you know, it's going to slow you down, whatever, and toughen you up. And, uh, maybe it gave them a tough mentality, but if they go out against a team who got the idea that no hydration actually increases your performance, they're going to get killed. And, and where is, where is that rub of, you know, maybe you get some mental toughness, but if you want to bolster your performance, you need,
1: it's, and we're back to, you, you got to give the body yourself. what it needs. Exactly. Okay. And don't right, give well, <laughs> the body what it does not like. All right. We're, we're going, we're <laughs> going
0: right there. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. I, but on the, on this business stuff, I did want to tell a quick story for folks. So, rainy and I have been friends for uh, a long time, and back around I think it was like two thousand six to two thousand fourteen. I ran an online membership called Free Agent Academy that helped people who were in traditional employment who wanted to do something in self employment. So we walked with them and uh, had over a thousand people go through that thing. But I would bring them out to live events as well, out here and outside of Woodland Park where we live. And I realized over time that so often we could go and, and work with somebody and find an idea that fit them, that they that was a good suit for them, that they were excited about, that also had a fit in the marketplace. I'm not minimizing that, but we, we could do that. And we could give it good branding and really get, say, hey, here's an opportunity you can go after. So go after it. And so they would leave, go back home into life. And weeks would go by months would go by we're checking in. And so often this, I kept, I kept hearing this consistent thing. I don't have the energy. I, I, I don't, I know I, I've got my day job happening at the end of the day, man, I, I don't have it. Now I'm supposed to get up earlier in the morning to do this or stay up late to do this side gig or work the weekends. And I just don't have the energy that came up over and over and over. So my thought was, well, it hit, it hit a, it hit a chord that myself as an entrepreneur, the entrepreneurs I know, they are running pretty high, but they're also taking care of themselves so that they can run pretty high and they're putting their health at more of a premium. Thus, I brought in Dr. Randy James to come to the event and talk about that specifically. And one of the things that Then made you the star of the show. I think the most interesting topic of the whole event sometimes was you just saying these things that are taking you down, these normal American maladies that are hampering you guys and keeping you from doing this dream that you want to do shouldn't be normal. And you just sat up there and to you, I think it was just kind of basic stuff. And you'd end up with a line of people that would keep you up till midnight after dinner at these events saying, really, I have X, Y, Z. I want you to hit on, however you want to take it, but somewhat of that, what we see as normal. Because we have a sea of people out here, aspiring people in the Ziegler audience, who have accepted that normalcy. And for you to say, that doesn't have to be normal. I hope, well, what we found is it gives people hope, like holy smokes.
1: Yeah. We like to say that we're selling hope. Mm-hmm. And so the phrase to hope people is, what what you think is normal is not normal. And then there's a whole line of, well, yeah, but, Doctor, you don't understand. What about XYZ in, in my situation? And then, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a famous whatabouts. Um, you know, my dad snored his whole life. So how can you tell me it's not normal that, that I snore? And I would say it's not normal for you to snore. Human beings ought not snore. If you snore, maybe it doesn't mean that that's enough pathology that you're going to have a headache every day or die tomorrow, but you will not have as efficient sleep as you could have had if you had better sleep, less mouth breathing. And then people will say, well, you know, heartburn, I, you know, it's just heartburn. And we have commercials on TV that that are pretty funny about, hey, we know you're going to the 4th of July hot dog thing, so prepare ahead prepare of time. Ahead of time. <laughs> Take the medicine before you even get to the Take the, the medicine <laughs> from what you're going to eat
0: that your body is not digesting well and is harming you and mask it.
1: And, and we live in a culture that says heartburn is normal. And I would say, well, yeah, of course it's normal. If you're going to eat those kind of things every day, then your body is going to give you a signal. So symptoms and pain is information. It's a signal to... Let your head know, hey, something's not right down here. You should change what you did or how you're digesting or or all of that. And, of course, it's very complex. And it's, it's not so simple as eat a hot dog, get heartburn. But there's many, many reasons for why things would be going on. But, you know, we, we look at the f- sort of our famous patient group of 35 to 65 of, of young, intelligent, busy uh, people who say, well, I, I, I know I'm tired because now I'm forty and you know I've got three kids and we're doing this and that and the other and 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 everybody says, well of course you're tired. And you and I would say, well, no. I think we are designed and built to be working solid days until we're ninety, full of activity, full of of things going on. But that presumes that there's adequate rest and recovery, there's adequate input into our our bodies of what it needs, and we don't overload it with cake and ice cream every night and and, and so we live in a culture where we've just gotten off track where the normal input, mostly food, has, is not quite what it should be. The normal rest is now approaching six to seven hours a night for the average working adult, especially in the entrepreneurial world, and, and that will not suffice. And so of course it's normal if you're over 40 to be a little overweight, a little Depressed, a little hypertension, a little high cholesterol. You know, I, of course, I have a little neck pain, a little low back pain, a little reflux, and a, a you know some a spare tire around the middle, and and some headaches every now and then, and the list goes on and on. And I was, your body is screaming at you. Well, and
0: I wanted you to hit some of the. I mean, you, you know, you did. You had headaches. You hit you know uh, uh, P, uh, PMS and all these things that people thought think. Those are just normal. And yours, I love that thing. Of, uh, uh, I want people to hear that. If you are experiencing pain. Randy's Symptoms. statement, you said this in front of a, a group of people at, a, at an event we were at not long ago. He said pain is a clue. Pay attention to it. And it's not a you, – you mentioned something a minute ago. We can all push, push, push and make it through that day, and that is surviving, and the body is amazing, and the will is amazing at surviving. But the reality, and this is what I want to impress, is we are not, in that sense, thriving. I am not getting my best workout. No, again, back to no wonder I'm cranky when I come home. My kids get, don't get my best. My wife doesn't get my best. The next day at work, my creative thinking to write that book or write that proposal or make that
1: sale or whatever is minimized, compromised. It's, it's less than what it would have been. Right. And you said surviving. I think a word that might be a little bit better is we are coping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are enduring right. instead of advancing. And great. You know what? If we're in a foxhole in the middle of the war or the battle, I, I don't want to hear you about need those, your hangnail. You need okay? those survival skills. <laughs> right. right. Don't, don't tell me about your heartburn. Let's get the job done. But when you think about the war, the entire thing, and 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 here in the military, that's why they pull people off the front lines. Now, granted, over a twenty-year career, people still come out kind of you know not so not so well. But we have recognized that if you leave somebody on the front lines, you will break them. And in World War II, there was the famous you know they didn't call it PTSD back, PTSD back then, but so now we recognize you've got to come back off that line. You've got to Sabbath. You've got to retreat and i would say think of that too about how you are what kind of food you're putting in so much of the food we put in half of that food the body is perceiving as a as a battle every day it's got to put up with and cope with and endure the donut right wow. you get a little sweet on the front of your mouth and then the rest of it is just enduring the consequence of that and it will eventually send you a signal of hey we're overweight hey we're tired hey we have brain fog um, and I, you mentioned PMS, and I want to say yes. Have to say for for women who are taught in our culture today that if I go to the high school and ask how many young women here have PMS or painful crampings, it will be over ninety percent. We have yeah. normalized it, and and so these these women, even in at fifteen, are taught you're a woman. This is your lot in life. Don't complain. You still have to go to school. Take some Motrin and endure, and. And and don't complain.
0: And then women get together and talk about, it, and it is normal. I, I love yeah. what you said. I, gosh, I want moms out there, harried moms, which is what we see, we see so many of them here in the clinic, just as well as as business people and uh, we, you know everybody listening. How often that that aspect, when you talked about being on the front lines always, that was mm. a badge of that is a badge of honor. I'm, I'm trying to recover, but a badge it's kind of, of, of a, honor, the
1: busy badge, totally. That
0: yeah. at age, what's the? I'm 48 now, probably two three years ago. Um, I came to the end. I finally wore out. You know about it because you're the first that knew about it. And uh, we had to deal with it. And I am recovering from that. But my gosh, that is where we live. And we are then compromising, compromise until the day comes. And then, boom, something is unsustainable. And that's when, you know, for here, that's when they call the clinic. That's when people start looking for help because they know in the traditional world out there, traditional medicine, they're going to get a Band-Aid. They're going to get a drug. And so they come in here.
1: Well, actually, those people that come in here, they've already been to the that's to their tr- primary care doc, tr- that's right? That's true. Because the yeah. first thing is going to be like, oh, my gosh, Mrs. Smith, you know, yes, you you just need to take it easy. And then the word depression will come in there. you probably have a little bit of depression, and and depression exists, so we don't want to say to anybody— who is who has depression or or they're successfully using you know one of the famous medicines great that is a tool for when you're over there on the edge but it depression is not a deficiency of zoloft it it is a signal again it's a symptom that over the course of time there has not been enough nutrition exercise sleep or or whatever or you know we haven't talked about relationships and all of these other things that are Pulling out from you. And so, you know, people will then go into the world and they'll get help. Mm-hmm. But then the people that wind up looking for our kind of help are saying, I- I'm not depressed, I'm tired. And is fatigue a subset of one of the consequences of depression? Yes. And are somebody you know so tired that they're depressed that they can't be the mom that they want to be or the husband that they want to be? And then they get depressed because of that. And now it's a chicken and egg vicious mm-hmm. cycle. And people, just they get frustrated that it's just not looking for the another, another pill to patch up and feel better and move on.
0: Well, I I want I want you to go right there because this is this is what I learned from you when we you know came together, especially in this medical realm, that there is a place for an acute treatment. So when you have gone on the front lines over and over and over and finally you tip over like you just said into mm-hmm. depression, into anxiety, into whatever. Which uh, okay, I'll be candid. I did. Oh, again, whatever it was, two or three years ago, I tipped over and I had a day and my hands were shaking and and I my office next year. and I came over and said, Randy man. I'm and I had some stuff going on in my life and and I I'm I'm wigging out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to I don't think I'm going to freak out, but I'm I, I'm not well. And you did Uh, To help that acute point, you said this is this is not best, but right now where you're at, and you need to be able to function, and you prescribed it was like Zoloft Zoloft, or something like that. Um, But your your statement was okay, but something's that that, Zoloft. This is a band aid, so we're going to help you right now with an acute treatment. What are we going to change so that you get back over here into wellness as well as well as you can? But and this is the most one of the most convicting perspectives that I got from you. In in especially in America, I'm going to pick on American medicine, Western medicine, whatever. In there, what we would do is say, man, you've tipped over, buddy. Here's your prescription for Zoloft. And we'll just keep it repeating every month for the rest of your life. And that's an acute treatment. And your, your statement of saying, that's like you know, coming in today, I got a broken arm. Well, let's put a cast on that thing, give you some pain meds. And the next day I come in and got a broken arm. And let's give you a, a cast. At some point, you say, quit breaking your arm.
1: Yes. I, I, so we might... Overload people with analogies here, but let me go to the broken I love leg analogies. <laughs> so, if your son comes in tomorrow and you say, "Wow," with you his know, chopped up fingers, with, okay, <laughs> but I have to use the leg one because okay, I'm going to use uh, a, a word here. All right, and and you come in and say, "My son broke his femur," and I say, "Wow, he needs a crutch." Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. A lot of people out there and grew up in the context of, oh, the Millers, we don't use crutches, right? That that is a sign of weakness. That's a crutch, right? So that
0: that was me. I had never had a medication in my entire, you know, maybe an antibiotic, but never.
1: And and you were like, oh, this is, um, it's a sign of weakness. I, 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 you know, and that's a whole another realm of how we picture medicines. And I would say, no, my gosh, you broke a leg. This is what crutches were made for. Praise God we have crutches. And I would say, okay, Canyon, here's your therapy. For this acute issue, you need a crutch. Now, if a year later I see Canyon walking around out there with a crutch, I'm going to say, dude, you need to go over here to this other thing. It's called PT so that you can get off the crutch. And by the way, do you know what PT stands for? Physical therapy? Pain and torture. <laughs> so if any physical therapist is worth their salt, the patient will say, oh, yeah, pain and torture. Yeah. And I would say, yes. But when it comes to your soul, that was already under pain and torture. And I said, here's the crutch of Zoloft or whatever. Let's get a bridge over the gap, the rough patch. But in the meantime, if you are not doing the other form of pain and torture, of, of go to bed on time, yeah. take a day off of work, um, you know, deprive yourself of that of that sugar uh, crutch right. for a while, so that you can be becoming the kind of guy whose leg is now mended and strong. And everybody understands that when it comes to physical medicine, because we've all sprained an ankle and you go through the pain of a few weeks of yeah, it's stiff and tight, and I got to stretch it out and all that kind of stuff. Why don't you do that for your soul? Why don't you do that for your brain? Mm-hmm for your relationships, your marriage. That is again the book that does not sell.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> so, uh, you so you you brought me to uh, another point that I I love the perspective of that we often in that in that scenario. So if my son broke his leg, he's on a crutch, we would send him to pain and torture, physical therapy to strengthen that thing so that he can get back to where he is. But now let's take especially people in their older ages when something happens when there's a weakness when we find something that is is yeah a a, a weakness we start to safeguard that thing and go okay my knees hurt so you know i don't ski anymore i'm and i'm gonna uh, do the groan when we get up in in and out of the chair i was just recently i'm not going to name names but i was with uh uh someone who has gotten to that older age has gotten to an exorbitant weight and they now bought the chair that you sit down in and it lowers you and then it raises you back up. So they're continually safeguarding, safeguarding, safeguarding. And what I, I think about on that is atrophy, you know, so that, that muscle is everything's going to decline. So we've gotten into this place of when something gets weak, when there's a malady, we safeguard the, uh, I can't think of a better word instead of saying, man, we've got a weakness. We need to go to work on, on, Physical right. therapy.
1: Right. I, I use the word you shrink. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. your whole life shrinks in, and it's the exact opposite of capacity. It's incapacity. All right? Which You're, gets into
0: stress, which is a, a big topic of uh, we need good stress. and uh, In
1: order to be becoming the kind of guy who can handle sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's right. We live in a culture, and again, I would say, well, had you just broken your leg— and if you needed to, like, uh, wheelchairs, mm-hmm. you know, thank God we got wheelchairs for people who get their legs chopped off and they can do things. But if it's because you need to, uh, again, not pointing fingers at anybody, slip, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope, slope to slope, the sure. the wheelchair at Walmart
0: because there is somebody who authentically needs that, but there are plenty of people over there. And we see them going through, and they're picking out foods of, of death. And I know that sounds exaggerated, but it really is. And we see the culmination of that. They can't even stand up anymore. And so this is not a judgment, folks. You've got to hear that, because I mean, it is. It's such a slippery slope. But there is a reality to how we support and strengthen ourselves or not, and we are seeing the ramifications, which is why we're in America, the most uh, you know, glorious, intelligent uh, place, and we are getting sicker and sicker. We're, getting, we're great at fixing it, as you say. Right. We're great well, at f- fixing so you can, can fix get acute up the next problems, day. Right. Well, not, it's not even fixed. We can band-aid we can, them so
1: you can get up and hobble. can crutch them. Yeah, like the guy on the front lines. We're going to fix them up so we can go out there and... Patch them up and get them back out there. But if you keep doing that and you don't allow true recuperation and true rehabilitation than the overall war. And that's what we're seeing in America. When people get to their 50s, 60, 70s, they are tired. And, and there's
0: nursing homes. I mean, we have – if you guys look at just like the stats of you know diabetes used to be down here and heart disease used to be down here and all these maladies that have this gigantic ramp-up curve – uh, in recent the recent decade, even it's the same thing. We have a, a burgeoning industry in healthcare for the elderly that we didn't used to need. I mean, it's just a, it's just a reality. And so again, we we think of it as normal, but and I think we so seldom step back and say, wait a minute, why? Why
1: is that? Why?
0: Happening? Yeah, why yeah. is that? Why? Why was nursing homes? Uh, you know, a. a, a million business. And now it's a $10 billion business. What has happened? And again, it's specifically in America because we have
1: other countries. We have other places where that is not the case. Well, and to be fair, you know, people are going to say, well, it's because we're living longer and, and, and that's a debatable thing. No, I hear your word coming. It, it, are we living longer or are we lingering We and and, uh, lingering more? And now we need help with a nursing home kind of thing. We do see it in other countries other, that are living a Western lifestyle. Sure. And then if you go to other maybe third world countries, then they aren't living as long, and there's other reasons why, why that's happening. Uh, but I would go into and say that if we're looking at the microcosm of us in our culture, and, and this is not a functional medicine concept where even on the, the CDC or the FDA, whatever you were quoting about, you know, the like 70% of the chronic illness, and disease in America is lifestyle-related. Yeah. This is this is a fact. And so how do we go earlier into people's lives and say, okay, granted, you know, it's not super awesome and fun to talk about prevention and that kind of thing, but I would say let's not use that word. The elderly symptom is something called nursing home over here, but it's those are the people who, when they were 30, they did have... Menstrual cramping and headaches and fatigue and the, and the guys were having cramping and insomnia and can't sleep at night and, 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 and the afternoon bunk where you need a, a Red Bull or a five-hour energy and all of these things that culturally we have normalized equals the kind of population that's going to need a nursing home. And we're there. Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I
0: wonder if we look at that, the propensity of crutches. You mentioned in the five-hour energy of the Red Bull, the things that we now need, whether it's a medication, a literal one in a pill, in a, in a pill, you know, cup, or whether it's the medication of caffeine or
1: sugar or whatever. We're or the medication in- of a swipe on the phone. Uh, or or yeah. one click over here on Amazon, a new pair of shoes, because that fuels that – the dopamine hit or whatever happens. And so we all, humans are born with addictive potential. Goodness, yeah. And whether it goes down a cocaine, heroin, Oxycontin pathway, or whether it goes down a sugar pathway, or a workaholic, or a shoeaholic, <laughs> or yeah. we medicate, we crutch in an infinite variety of ways.
0: Well, you mentioned you, – you talked about prevention. Let's not use that word. And I thought yeah, we're not here, – here on this show right now, it, this is not a message, a show on, uh, on
1: prevention. It's on optimization. Uh, right. The, Let's not talk about prevention. Let's yeah. talk about where we're going. And that, that is <laughs>
0: the point of why we are doing this on the Ziegler Show right now. And, and on that t- t- tactic, this is not a – uh, I mean, you are a, an MD, you're a medical doctor. This message right here is not medical in, in essence, in the way that we say it. It's not clinical. This is, and you mentioned it a minute ago, lifestyle. We are talking just as we always do on the Ziegler show about the healthy habits for life so we can be optimal so that we can, as, as Zig would say, we can, uh, we can, we can be what we, who we need to be so we can do what we need to do so that we can have what we want to have or what we believe we should have. I mean, I have things I want to have. I feel convicted for my family. And so to get those things, I need to perform at a certain level. And so I have to come back here and back up to this aspect of what do I do to optimize myself? And so what I'm bringing you to is the aspect of here in this clinic where people fly in, from around the country, from around the world uh, to be here, they come in and you are, I mean, of course you get into those, those aspects, but ultimately what they walk out with is a plan, is a tra- trajectory for lifestyle design. And, and that's where, that's what brought us together. That's personal development. That's no different. And, and folks, I'll tell you for, for a long time, you know, here I am talking on the Ziegler show on a microphone in my office and speaking to tens of thousands of people, a message of lifestyle design, healthy lifestyle design to do the things we believe we need to do. And Randy's on the other side, meeting with a patient one-on-one, ultimately doing the exact same thing, which is what has brought us here today. But again, yeah, let's take it out of me- – I'm trying to – I'm grappling to bring it out of medical clinical to this. Is, this is just healthy lifestyle
1: design. It's, it's life, and what? that's why we named the clinic True Life. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to say there because – and I think your audience is going to be susceptible to this because people then start to think, okay, 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 what's the secret? You mentioned the word optimal. Well, you're going to give it, right? It's got to be like fish oil, (laughs) a keto diet or something. Right. (laughs) That's the thing is if you say, okay, 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 how much fish oil should I take? One gram, two gram, three gram, you know, 1.5 – and and so one of the frustrating things i think that comes across in the functional medicine world and the lifestyle world out there on online and cuz you get all these glitzy websites that say okay we've got the seven secrets to kevin miller's mm-hmm. physique and what he wants to look like and whatever and i would say okay i get it but the reality is you cannot know there is no such thing as optimum you cannot know so in, in the same way that if we drive downtown today, we cannot know that we're actually going to successfully get there. We could die. But we know that if we don't drink and drive, if we drive on the right-hand side of the road, if we obey certain we don't, principles – If we don't text, we're dramatically increasing our chances of optimization. Probability. Probability. Right, great. Thank you. So people can't have hope in the secret of success. Don't use the word optimal because it cannot be known, and in fact, so if we, you, if we use you because you've asked me this question so many times, okay, okay, you know what are the four secrets and the four pillars and the, do that right and, there?
0: It's <laughs> on my notes. That's where we're going right now. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, let me just pick one out of there. If you Good. said, "How much vitamin C do I need? What what's my optimal level?" To you and to me and to anybody else out there, I'm going to say, "Okay, to do what?" Well, let's say you're going to go spend a day on the lake today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, yeah, you should take some more. What if you say, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to watch movies all day long. I'd say, yeah, less. (laughs) How's You know, that doesn't feel very good. That's frustrating. How much more? How much less? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't go eat at McDonald's on the way home because that's probably not going to give you what you need to have a successful day paddleboarding across the lake all day. You're going to bonk. But how much vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin B, vitamin K – You're asking the wrong question. The real question is, what kind of guy do you want to be today? And how do you then fuel that? Be becoming. That's my favorite line of yours. (laughs) Uh, At some point, maybe that's the next book
0: you write, is is the be becoming. That perspective that, Randy, you you gave that to me of uh, who do I today? What am I going to do to be becoming? Again, we're back to goals. If I want to do this, what do I do to be becoming? That's what the day is made of and what we're talking here. Okay. I was going, if I can, I was going to those four pillars. I mean, so, you know, this is, well, folks, actually, no, let me, let me just let one cat out of the bag. And I think it was, it'll have been in the, uh, in an intro ad on this show, uh, to check into more of this, we are talking about how to help you be the best you can in your life endeavors. This is not about take the health and wellness aspect out. We are helping you be optimal and take this into your life. The True Life Show. That's our new podcast together that we're launching through The Ziggler Show go subscribe to the true life show. You can find it in wherever you get your, your podcast and stitcher or uh, iTunes or whatnot. And this is what we're going to be talking about every week with a, obviously it's, we're looking at making you well in body, mind and soul so that you can do what you want to do. It's not the focus of health and wellness in and of itself, which so often I think it gets there. And again, none of us care about that. We want to go launch the business, uh, get a raise, bless our families, whatever, do those things. That's what that show is about is to help you. How can you do those things? And we'll be talking about all these issues more in depth, but, so Randy is, I, th- I said this in the intro, he's a medical doctor, but fully trained, certified in functional medicine, not to hold that even up as the Holy grail. There are some people who say they do integrated medicine, very much the same flavor, but it's saying that for the foundation of you to be as well as you can, to be as optimal as you can be, you're going to have to address these four issues. And that's what we do uh, go week by week. what We're going through in the true life show to get, to kind of get granular on those issues. But I want you to hit those just from yeah, a 10,000-foot uh, view at
1: least. I think it's it's fair to say that we are using a tool, much like a microscope. that A framework. Can, a, it's a framework, a set of principles, a set of guidelines that are malleable. Again, we can't look at humans and say, here is the way for you to be healthy. We don't use the word healthy. The first question is, well, what do you mean by healthy? So that's one of the founding principles is, I work for you, you are telling me we're not going to rely only on the government to give us a standard of care and an RDA of, of how many vegetables you should eat every day.
0: Well, can I share that? I love your line to patients uh, that I think you do most of the time, To some, you know, when it's appropriate, tongue in cheek, to say, hey, what is your goal? Next year, do you want to be in the Olympics or do you want to slide into a nursing home? And they laugh, but it's probably the first time they ever thought about, oh, gosh, where do I want to be next year or next 10 years? And you have some that say, I just want to be able to go up the stairs without my knees aching. I want to be able to bend down and play with my grandkids without my without being stuck on the ground and then you've got other people same age uh, who are saying i want to better my ultra marathon time
1: right okay and, and I'm, I'm smiling because just yesterday uh, a woman said and, and i was asking the question okay we started over here and now we're six seven eight months into this process and some of the labs were actually disappointing. It was like, gosh, you've worked so hard, and the labs didn't really reflect back. And I'm like, you know, what's going on, and, and how do you feel? <clears throat> and she said, you know, I came into this, and here is my my number one goal. I don't want to be grandma on the couch. Hmm. Great. I want to be grandma on the ground. And I am now grandma on the ground. I'm playing with my grandkids. That is my number one. And number two, I want to walk with my husband. And there had been knee and hip issues and they had traveled and were at, in a place famous for walking, and she said it was wonderful and so now we have shifted our goals and so now, for the summer of two thousand and twenty, it might be, well, how fast, how far, how high can you walk and or, or maybe she says, "You know what I am content to maintain right now mm-hmm. that my standard of care is now where I am and so circling back around to the principles, you know how did we apply that in her particular case versus the guy over here, another Middle-aged business guy who had gone through a major transformation in his life, and he's like, I just realized I'm not satisfied with where I am. And this guy can already run a six-minute mile, can already do whatever, but he feels the fatigue, he feels the brain fog. He's a a computer designer, programmer guy, and he's got a lot of things, irons in the fire, and he's like, "I, I feel the slowdown. Well, how do we apply these to him, and so from a ten thousand first foot it, view. Yeah,
0: and, and I do want to say, and I love the unfortunately infrequent patient who comes in and says, "Man, I am doing great right now, and I'm forty years old. I want to be able to do this when I'm sixty. Can you help me maintain, maintain. this?" And I, I
1: that's like you know, hands yeah, in the there, air, there, victory a, salute from you,
0: like yes, because you can do that. I mean, you know, you could give you could give him a great probability for that.
1: Right. Okay. That. Okay, so if we think about what you asked and said, okay, we have a tool, thinking about... Because even though I just vilified somebody who's selling a book on the four easy steps to health, or the ten, ten ways to do something or other, humans have to have a framework through which to think. Because it's not like you need to have a PhD in biochemistry in order to go make your breakfast every morning. You, you create, and we all think in a framework of... We think in English or we are Americans or we drive on the right-hand side of the road, all of those things. So so in this context, um, the the four main pillars that we would go into is to say, okay, here's any human being. And the first question is what we've already said. What is healthy? What is true life?
0: To you, yeah. Right?
1: If somebody doesn't really know that, they're just lost and like, gosh, I don't know. I, they're not going to be very motivated to change the way they eat or the way they think. So, for somebody who who has that going on, uh, then we say, uh, okay, there's there's these four ideas, and we can even call them quadrants, couldn't you? Four. I, I call them cornerstones. Cornerstones. Okay. The four cornerstones to your foundation. Number one, what are you putting in your body? And so, let's just go through them. There's input, and then what are you putting out? There's output. How do you recover? And what are the relationships between you and yourself on the inside, you and your, your spiritual relationships, and then your close family-spousal relationships, and then family, and then community, and then nation, these relational concepts of that actually we know are, are very important to one's health. And so, so I, I wanna, I wanna how granular do you, wanna, well, do you no, want to
0: Well, no, not too much, but I want to, I yeah, layman's terms, it from, from my standpoint, as you hear that, he's saying there's four to your overall health and wellness. That there are four corner, cornerstones and one is, is input. Yeah. What's going into you? One is output, which we could say, you know, exercise is an easy one, but there's a lot, a lot of other things too. Output. The other one is, is rest, you know, sleep, Sabbath, all these things. And then that fourth one, relationship. Now in functional medicine world, they'll call that body, uh, mind, body, mind, body. Uh, that those are the framework, those areas. And that's what people come here for. And you often, I just want to point that out. You often have people. But no. Most of the time, the people who come into this clinic—again, this is not a, this is not a promotion for the clinic necessarily, but but just for people to hear—who come in here, they're doing some of those really well, and they've got one cornerstone off. And we all know if we have a table with four legs, if one of those is off, you're, you're tipping. Now, generally, even if you're trying to address all those four, they are not optimal. So it's again looking at those and saying personalized to you because like you said, there's no cookie cutter. Every, everybody do these for the four corners. You're saying, no, everybody address these four corners in that personalized plan that fits you, but you've got to address those. And that's what you end up shoring up or addressing with every patient on a personalized. I, I,
1: I would go a step deeper in okay. the clinic. When people are coming in, we're, we're going to expand our system. And then we're going to talk about also antecedents and meaning what comes before so somebody's genetic background how they were raised you know what what's their history and then we have these the foundational areas that i just mentioned and then of course we go into the physiologic subsystems so the seven biological systems it's a systems biological approach where Rather than breaking the human apart into these silos of cardiology, endocrinology, or immunology, we're going to look at the body as a whole. And there's seven kind of nodes, if you will, crisscrossed areas where we talk about uh, communication. How does the Uh body communicate with itself? um, uh, Repair. And, And so that's not for today's topic. But if you come into the clinic, then that's where we do our labs and those kind of things. But from a lifestyle perspective what is the physiology going on in you right now what is that built upon now we're on our foundation the four cornerstones so input is we, we i used to say just nutrition but i would say now it's it's an input what is also going in your eyes what's going into your ears what kind of air are you breathing what kind of water touches your skin every day the environment are you exposed the, to the environment yeah. that's right and so famously, eyes, we would look at the toxicity of pornography. That has a physiologic consequence in your body. It rewires the brain. It, it does something. There's, there's an actuality to that. It's not just benign. The toxicity or the encouragement of what goes into your ears. You know, if, if you still hear reverberating around in your head the bad messages from an abusive parent or spouse or whatever. And so many people still hear those echoes of you're not good enough. You will never amount to anything. God wants you to be overweight, etc. And at the same time, what kind of Information is going into your ears right now that's encouraging, that's sustaining, that's uplifting. Well,
0: well you're on Ziegler's, you know, one of his paramount quotes of you can change who you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. We're taking that concept that he is well put out there. I think we've all heard of that, but then we're also left to the end of his message and then what do we do in our lives? And that's what we're, well, that's what we're talking about now. That's what we talk about in the true life show is what are those key areas of necessary required healthy input? What are the ones that are primarily taking us out, I, I want. You said genetics. That's such a hot button right now. I don't. I, I want to get on to the next. You know, that's you talk about input. I want to go to the next one. But uh, genetics. So Mark, Doctor Mark Hyman, who we're fans of, of course. I saw something that he had posted online somewhere and talked about genetics can load the chamber for you, but it's your lifestyle that pulls the trigger. and in a sense, manifests them. So not to minimize them, they matter. But just the reality of we can all have propensities for X, Y, Z. But the point here is how do we do our best to give a probability of not letting that manifest? I tell my kids, all this healthy and wellness stuff that Randy and I are doing and espousing, we can still get cancer. Right. Hopefully, if we have a propensity to or it's in there, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm uh, keeping it at bay a little bit
1: longer. That's right. Genetics, so the phrase is genetics loads the gun, oh, okay. lifestyle pulls the trigger. Okay. Right, so we all are born with a certain amount of loaded gun, and, and we, are all, we are all born to die, and we're hoping for a thriving 80 or 90 years. But some people, there are some genetic diseases that are predestinations for a certain pathology, Down syndrome, Huntington's. You, it doesn't matter. You can live perfectly, and if you have Huntington's, you're still going to hit some, some bad things when you're 35 or whatever. Now, is anybody born to be overweight? You can be born with a propensity, absolutely, but lifestyle will then pull that trigger.
0: Well, I, I, can I speak to that? I have a little girl, an adopted little girl who came from, I won't get into too much detail, but from a, a Native American reservation and a horrible horrible diet genetically, you know, before her, before and then from her birth on horrible diet she has been pre-programmed and she has this little tub on her even though she went when we first came to us she had such low muscle tone it was a, a red flag she couldn't climb up into the car she couldn't get into her car seat uh, anything now today and you'll appreciate this on our trampoline out back she climbs up the, the the rail you know that used to hold the net grabs the top of it swings over and swings onto the thing now my other kids do it without a thought and in a heartbeat she grips and pulls and whatever but her we're, we're changing her probability but she's always going to have that there my other kids don't she does
1: dramatically and 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 that's a that's a good example if we look at and that's my heritage too is is the native american there is currently today you know over 50 percent uh incidents of 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 diabetes uh-huh. and probably eighty ninety 90% incidence of, of obesity. It's something like three it's, times the norm, even in our right here in America it, where it's so bad already. It, and if you think about a people, a culture that historically were designed to uh, live in the American West and, and live on in here, we don't know exactly, They're but athletes. They, they were, yeah, very athletic lifestyle and they kind of lived on jerky, if you will. So, so, they, what they didn't live on was a constant exposure to processed grains. Mm-hmm. And and what is going on now, and, and there's a lot of political and economical and social and whatever reasons behind that, but just the constant exposure to processed grains equals you are pulling the – because they have a loaded gun metabolism that is not built for these processed grains. And so when that happens, the the trigger is pulled. There's the obesity. There's the diabetes. There's – all of that. Your daughter was exposed to that in the very formative zero to four-year-old mm-hmm. years. And now, three years later, two uh-huh. or three, years, three later, years later, we are still fighting that, still working against that. And it's, it's kind of frustrating that we've talked about that. Gosh, we've been working on this for so long. She
0: has to work so much harder and, than my other – and we call them the privileged. My, my other kids – My white American privileged kids, they know that. They have privilege. There was a great video that somebody did on YouTube or something like that on privilege with kids that my family watched. Now, it's part of their vernacular. My kids, my biological kids are privileged. My non-biological kids, they did not come from that. And so here they are living the same life, eating the same clean diet, exercise, uh, healthy relationships, all this. And she is going to, I I, I assume, I don't want to be pessimistic, she's going to have to work harder all her life.
1: That's right. And even in a privileged sense, I would say that's true for all of us in some areas. Sure, 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 sure. Right? That yeah. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to have to work harder than other people to worry about weight, most likely. That's not… You don't. You sicken me. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not fair. And and yet I might have to work… I, I, am, not, I am not… I have to work much harder to be limber. Huh. I, I do… I'm a stiff as a board guy. So if I want to be becoming the kind of guy who doesn't grunt when he, you know, bends down to pick up something on the ground, when I'm 50, 60, 70, then I'm going to have to think about it yeah. and work on it. And maybe your daughter doesn't, maybe she's bendy dramatically. Do you, do you okay. not know that I should show you it's ridiculous. It's almost pathologically think, Oh my gosh. Does she have just rubber for bones? Well, that we need to talk about that because <laughs> that could be, that may, that I, could that could be a sign of, um, but, you know, if we lived in a world that praised and prized bendiness, yeah. I would be jealous of her. Right. And I would be saying, well, that's not fair. And so, so much of our privilegedness is cultural-based. Yeah. And, and again, it, it, it this all depends, and we're back to that tension idea of who are you, who are you called to be becoming, and what pathway are you on to be going down that.
0: Yeah, and, again, i got to drive people – Go to the True Life Show to hear more of this because we could talk for three hours here. So you did talk. So one cornerstone of input. I think people get that. What you're, what, Say your line again, what you're putting in your mouth that your body
1: doesn't need. That's right. So there's there's an overarching two questions. Give your body what it needs yeah. and don't give your body what it doesn't like. So from an input perspective, put in more of what your unique biology needs for your unique calling and uh, family and situation and whether you're American Indian or you live somewhere else, what is the unique situation requiring for input and don't put in, 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 your daughter's case, we say, yeah, don't put in grains. I mean, your, yeah. your body's just not built for that, but she's going to say, but I want to. Uh-huh. And then the parents have to say, well, I'm sorry. And oh, it's like, it's, it's like a drug for her. I mean, it, she adores it if she can get it, but and, 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 right, so that's, that's the tension of we don't moralize it and say, you know, a hot pocket or whatever is evil, but is it going to give her body? No, no dude, that, we have figured that one out. Hot pockets are evil. Uh, okay, hot pockets are evil. But what about the extra pineapple? She already had a healthy dose, yeah, yeah. Uh, a healthy helping, and now she wants more because that's a drug. And we have to say, well, no, but our culture says, oh, it's fruit. It's wow. good for her. Yeah. And, uh, well, maybe, but not right now. So number two, our second cornerstone is output. And so in the health and wellness world, people think about, oh yeah, I exercise, so nutrition and exercise, right? And I just get so sick and tired of people saying, oh, just eat right and exercise. That's the secret. So output not only incorporates your entire exercise output, but uh, probably as big as that is what I call work with a capital W, the spiritual essence of work, the value of work work is good what is your what is your mission in life to output from from a work standpoint and of course that's what your audience does thinks a lot about mm-hmm. but also how do you put yourself out there what's your posture what's your internal posture and you know your daughter when she first came into your family she was Uh, mousy if you will kind of scared Mm -hmm. and now she's jumping off the trampoline and doing whatever thing her posture her output into the world has changed evolved into something we'd say that's better that's healthier Mm -hmm. on her journey and so that's the output idea okay yeah uh input output and if any human being is putting something in and putting something out then they must recover there must be recovery and that's where our society does so bad and the first idea of recovery is going to be sleep we could talk for an hour on sleep we'll put that on the true life show
0: you know let me ask one thing on there though cuz you're talking about you're talking about input you know and where especially in the western culture are, are long are are many decades now of all these problems that are ramping up and a lot of it we're not all of it but a lot of it is is nutritional now we're over here in this, seems like a crisis with sleep. It's, again, this big thing that I wonder if people think, ah, it's just a fad, everybody's talking about sleep. And instead you're saying, no, there's more and more and more problems with compromised sleep, and sleep is how we recover to do everything we're going to do. And one of the reasons that our sleep is being compromised is because of increased stress, bad stress, and diet. I mean, that we found that out for me. One of the primary things that was stealing my recovery in my sleep were foods I was eating that did not agree with me and messed up my sleep. If you take 10 people with sleep problems, is food the issue for all of them? I assume not. Maybe a majority, yeah. but don't. I don't, I don't even know if we
1: and, – Stress. And it's going to be more complicated than that because it's going to be a combination of right. okay, the stress. Right. Sure. Exercise is huge. Regular exercise is required to have awesome sleep. Now I didn't say that you have to exercise in order to sleep, but if you want to have really good sleep, then you're going to have really good, consistent exercise, not running 10 miles a day, kind of thing, but a consistency. You're also going to have a, a stress response during the day that doesn't mean that you're hitting the bed completely harried. and we're back to our harried mom, our harried businessman who just crashes into bed at the end of the day and say, "No, I sleep great." And I would say, well, you do until you don't, right? Everybody sleeps. No, we don't have to teach babies how to sleep Mm. uh, until you don't. And we start chasing the sleep away with homework in high school. And then here comes the all-nighters in college. And then here comes, you know, whatever lifestyle issues. And then I got to perform. And then by the time 35, 45, 55, insomnia or sleep disruption is now epidemic, It's common. We're back to the common things.
0: Well, can I pick on you then or point you out? If we look at sleep and that we all have our areas, that's been the one that you have probably put the most focus on for your own health and wellness over the past couple of years. So you came from, well, you came from military and medical school, which is the breeding ground of not enough sleep, however many years you did that. And now coming in, you're a doctor and you were working late hours, getting up early and not sleeping well. Now you see it. Now you're trying to give yourself the best chance you can, but realizing, man, I've, I've hurt myself from that sleep. And you're trying to get good sleep. Now that's on the quantity aspect, but when you see more and more people who are, gosh, we have patients here saying, man, I'm, I, I, I'm having a hard time. I'm sleeping 14 hours a day and I'm still not rested. So it's not just about quality again, folks, this is the true life show. we get more granular there, but, but I, I do want to point out that aspect of, you know, sleep. And we're talking about recovery and renewal. We've had multiple people who have talked about leaders who have talked about that, that just relief, we come home, you know, for the day or have the weekend and we look for some relief is different than what do we do
1: to renew. Yeah. And that were all of those words recuperate, yeah. uh, remember. And, and so in, in, In my language in the clinic, we'll say sleep is number one and capital R, rest. That's what we're talking about here, where somebody, we teach them throughout the day. In order to be becoming the kind of guy who can sleep efficiently and effectively, then during the day, there must be a concept or an idea that you stop and take a breath and say, I'm okay. You know what? In the middle of the stress, in the middle of the business, in the middle of whatever, I'm going to stop and choose to be okay. Even if it's just for one minute, re-remind yourself, re-remind your physiology that we are not in a fight-or-flight posture all day long. There is rest and digest. So sleep is the big one of that, the idea of rest, and then that very quickly leads to the concept of Sabbath. And goodness, we as a culture even for those of us in, in, a, in a Christian kind of faith community culture, we do not Sabbath well. That, I think, is such a tremendous deficiency. And so, you know, the idea of Sabbath, mean, and the word itself means cease. Hmm. And it's not, you and I, we, we, I lamented Sabbath when I was a kid because it meant, you know, mom and dad are on the couch taking a nap and I'm bored out of my mind and I can't do anything because, you know, we're supposed to rest. Well, no, that's not what we're talking about. It's basically the idea that God says, hey, don't stress out about the work. Come away with me. Mm -hmm. Feast your eyes on beauty, not on a computer screen again. Feast your ears on music, on the sound of the river, on a hike. On on the sound of the children playing in the park, notice those things. Come away with me and feast on me.
0: I love your often Sunday afternoons are full of your smiling face and joy while you're out playing ultimate frisbee, yeah, uh, playing (laughs) with the kids and do that. Well, so folks, again, hearing that first pillar of input, second pillar of output, third
1: pillar of recovery, recovery, uh, rejuvenation, all that renewal. Fourth one. And the fourth one, that idea of Sabbath, then goes to, okay, what are the relationships within yourself? So we struggled with that word, relationships. How how do you encapsulate the mind, body, soul interconnectedness within yourself, and then your mind, body, soul, as it interconnects with God himself, and then that entity, as you interact with most of us, it's going to be a spouse in that very intimate relationship. And then that's going to have a family connection. And then you're going to have a relationship with your work, your food, your children. And then you're going to have a relationship with your community, your church, and then your city, your nation, your world. And and, and now you can quickly see you know, the, how... The mind-body-soul interrelationship circles back around to your nutrition because you do have an emotional connection to food, whether we think we do or we don't. We we do, and we have an emotional connection with our exercise. How many times have we heard people say uh, somebody very closely related to you and just says, you know, I just don't like it? Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's an emotional connection to that. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not wrong, but how how do you then be becoming the kind of person that is going to have a better relationship with these things, whether it's food or exercise or yourself? And uh, people who grow up, if, if there's abuse in the background and, then, and there's this layer of self-loathing that's there and... And and to increase your awareness of it first of all, and then what are you going to do about it? Because you can't just extricate that. You have to be becoming the kind of person that has an increasing awareness in a appropriate sense uh, that's going to allow you to be, become the kind of person that isn't hampered by that. You can't change the past, but you can change the way you think about it and the way that it impacts your present. I want
0: to I want to hit just a couple uh, tangible pieces of that. When we're talking about, again, functional medicine calls it mind and body. We're calling it relationships. I love how you say it relationships within ourselves and externally, uh, too, but just our psyche in some yeah. aspects that when I look right now, as much as I am doing to have great input into my life, that I'm having great output, that I'm having better recovery. My, we talked about you sleep as a big focus. Mine is here. This is mine. When we look at my digestive issues, that's been the long-running thing for me. And looking at so much of those, how much of those digestive issues, sleep issues uh, come from my running on high on the front lines, not Sabbathing, not resting well, not meditating, which is the one I'm still struggling with so much, uh, are to do with my bad stress. The bad stress I'm like, even even – Can I
1: pick on you? Please. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, what, three years ago where you and I sat Uh in a meeting with Steve Smith of Potter's Inn, uh, if we give him a a reference. And he is talking about what he called the whitewater, Mm -hmm. right? So we're going down the river of life. And he said, you can't be in the whitewater all the time. And Kevin said, but I like the whitewater and, and he, you can't do that well no i
0: was it was worse than that though i was saying no i am living in a way to strengthen myself so i can always be in the whitewater always water. be in the
1: whitewater i believed it I, and you can't until, until i you came can. to my end well, until i couldn't <laughs> that's right.
0: i know what well, can I, can i pull that out so folks that's another podcast it's a new podcast soul care conversations this is our friend steve smith and dustin hibbard um, is an incredible podcast, and I think if it, i don 't think it 's their first show, I think they did an intro show I think it 's their second and third show it 's an interview with Randy uh, on soul care in essence, but from this standpoint, but really focused on this that was just what we 're talking about. Steve works with people uh, who uh, corporate burnout to some degree whether it 's a mega pastor or a high end executive who have burnt out, and him doing that saying you cannot stay on the front lines in the white water. Uh, Always. So incredible show to check out.
1: That's right. So you mentioned for you in this, that, you know, this fourth area of relationships is, has become, has loomed large for you. And, and for me, it's, it's the interplay between what I, what I mentioned, rest and Sabbath and, and the mind, body, soul connection. That was for me. And, and I remember it was 2014 because, you know, entrepreneurially in the business and, and my partner had to retire very suddenly. And there was this, the whitewater. Yeah. And, uh, and so I had already uh, committed myself and my wife to go to, to the Potter's Inn retreat. And I, I would say it, it was gently life-changing. It wasn't one of these things that just smacks you in the face kind of life-changing. It was a gentle—so much like God, as He interacts with us, it was a gentle turning of my soul— yeah to the awareness of the requirement of Sabbath. And so one of the phrases that we use, one of our dogmas is if you don't Sabbath, your illness will become your rest. And this week again, a guy, and I'm like, Mr. Smith, do you see that your lack of Sabbath forced what you just told me about where you spent five days in the hospital from just a bronchitis? Goodness. And 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 so a twenty-year-old is not going to resonate with that. You didn't resonate with that three or four years ago. It's like, no, not me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna exercise my way out of this problem I'm in. And how many times have I seen a woman who has been in that, you know, post two or three kids, trying to lose that last twenty pounds again, saying, "I just gotta, I just gotta eat right and exercise more," and they're exhausted spiritually, emotionally, and the Sabbath isn't there. There's a time and a place, and I never tell people don't exercise, but I do say, look, your exercise needs to be this hard thing called breathing, paced breathing. it's And, and, and people, and in fact, this guy that I keep picking on, he said, yeah, I can't sit still. Like, do you see that as pathology? You, that, that's part. You're great to go get a job done, but you are not going to be becoming a well guy as you become a grandpa. You're going to become the grandpa on the couch. Yeah. So for me, it was, I could sense that my average of six hours of sleep at night, it's like, holy smokes, we are driving my life, my ship of life into the icebergs here. And I'm getting scratched up, not sunk, but hurt. And I've got to steer out of this six hours a night and get more. So something has to fall away so that more sleep can go in there. How do I readjust my life on a day in and out, a day in and day out basis to be becoming the kind of guy I want to become.
0: And, and I want to, I want to wrap a couple things things. I want to wrap us up on a couple points. You know, one, you talking about that, you keep doing it until you can. not I experienced that coming to an end to a degree at age, whatever it was, 45, 46. And that aspect of age that we expect. Oh, that so you finally got old enough that it came to a first. No, I finally lived my life poorly enough that mm-hmm. it did. Now I find myself at a place where I think I'm better than I have been in a decade or more. And I'm not gonna, I mean, we're all gonna, we're all gonna die, as mm-hmm. you say. We're all gonna die. We are going to have some growing maybe lesser areas of ability but to how long and we see constantly on social media where it just recently had a guy who uh 91 years old and he was in a 100 meter sprint and it, it, he had a really good time i can't remember what it was but it was more watching him other people even his other competitors older competitors ran like old people this dude ran like my kids It was unbelievable. And that's not, again, to shame everybody and to say that that's your goal or whatever, but I don't want us accepting – you're on this all the time. Don't count it down to age.
1: Well, right. So age does not create pathology. Now, if if we talk about pathology, what is the main risk factor? And we're going to say age. Way more 90-year-olds die than 20-year-olds, you know. And so my favorite example is wrinkles. So Okay, so we've all seen a a guy and, you know, me at 51, I've got wrinkles. And it starts with the crow's feet and the whatever else. But we've all seen a guy who's done hard living, and at 50, he looks 80. And we've seen an 80-year-old, and we're like, wow, you look 50. But he has wrinkles too. So it's it's – it,
0: yes. Wrinkles. Well, my, my, I'm thinking about that. Cause I'm looking at your face and I know my own face and my face, I assume from years of pro cycling and out there in the sun and exposure, man, I got spots. I got, Oh yeah. Stuff. You look way older than me. I look way older than <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, again, I, I know we can belabor it and this is what we talk about. Go to the true life show folks, but that talking about age to not just accept that. And, and I, I did want to just put out there this aspect, again, of for all of us to step back and look at that where you are right now, what symptoms do you have? What are you okay with? What are you going to say? Hey, I'm okay with that just occasional migraine or that occasional list of, of things that we think of normal. What are you okay What symptoms are you okay with? And then what do you want your performance to be? That, that's the one that I keep coming back to and saying, because ultimately, what symptoms am I okay with? I'm really not okay with any Though I have some right now that you're saying that meditation could help, and I haven't, the pain's not bad pain's enough, not bad and I'm either. not doing it still. And over here, what performance? do I want, I want my performance really high. What am I willing to do? But judging what, that, what yeah. if we
1: changed rather than saying okay. you're okay with symptoms? I would ask, what are they telling you? Because you're, you're either gonna, they're telling you something, and you're either gonna, you're either gonna do something about it or not, and then yeah. you're okay with it. But. Yeah. You know, if you, if you say you're okay with something, it feels a little bit like resignation of, eh, I can't do anything about it," I would, I would say, be aware of it yeah. and have a calculated response. Otherwise, it's controlling you, or you're unaware. And so, yeah. Though I, I do think
0: that that we have a culture that has resigned
1: themselves. So we're kind of debating about the semantics of it. Well, yep. but
0: but I, that, and that's painful to say. You know, I can't do this. You know, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, and I just we just have again that that's that normal thing. We are going to age. We can't be Superman forever. But my gosh, we are embracing that resignation of lack of ability, mobility, whatever. I, th- I
1: think. I'm aiming to be a kind of guy who can go skiing at 80. But I think if I was 80 and it would be likely that I could say, I'm okay with not skiing. Yeah. I will watch the grandkids or whatever. Yeah. But I'm not okay with not skiing at 50. And, and so for me, that's going to be a, a marker that if we go through a season and, uh, and the knees hurt too much or something or whatever, it's like, okay, something has to change because I'm going to value that capacity. Well, folks,
0: there you go. We've been wanting to do this show for a long time been a long time coming. Uh, again, go to the true life show. That is we've been yearning to launch that thing so that we can talk, so that we can uh, interact with you guys and get further in this so that you can create a framework that will let you be the best person you can be and be becoming. Uh, Randy, uh, this is a blast, obviously.
1: Thank uh, you, Kevin. It's, it's been a joy. Yeah. Well,
0: folks, there you go. Well, there you go, folks. Are you as well as you'd like to be? Are you getting all you need out of yourself in order to be all you want to be and do all you want to do so that you can have all you want to have? Well, time to dig in. Again, here are places you can connect on all that we shared today with Dr. Randy James. his clinic, truelifemedicine.com. The new show we're launching or we have launched, True Life Show com or True Life Show wherever you get your podcast, and give yourselves a massive raise and ditch your health insurance with TrueLifeProtect.com. If you got value from the show, let us know. Leave a review in iTunes for the Ziegler Show. It's the best way to thank us. Well, coming up next, to show six ninety six. We discuss why you do what you do out of fear. No fear. I mean said the psychopath. The rest of us are human and we do have fear. The question is, do we recognize it so we can do it scared? As Ruth Sukup's book is titled. Our main show with Ruth is number 691. It was flat out profound. From it, I did more than just ask a question like I normally do. I asked people this. I said, Will you do take this quick survey, this fear assessment, and report what you find? And you can get that, folks, at do it scared.com slash assessment. It's opened my eyes to myself more than anything I've experienced in years. I'd like to share your findings for a show with Ruth Sukup. Well, I posted that and oh my gosh, the response was immense. Over 30,000 people have taken Ruth's fear assessment. We added a hundred or so more people went and took the assessment, then came and commented on Facebook about the results. What a conversation. I'm here to say it's the most valuable and eye opening assessment or profile I've taken in as long as I can remember. Well, I asked Ruth to come back and read through everyone's comments with me. So get ready for a free master coaching session with Ruth on successfully dealing with your fear. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.